If you think you could never be vegan, you're in the right place. If you think there's something big that you'd really like to do, but it's probably too late, you're in the right place. My name is Michelle Olander. I think there's never been a more important time to move in a vegan direction. So I'm here every week to cheer you on and show you how to veg your best. Episode 151, Veganizing French Cuisine with Sarala Terpstra. Welcome. Welcome, my veggie besties and bienvenue. You know, there is a very well-established genre about Brits and Americans moving to France from... Uh, back from Hemingway and Gertrude Stein through James Baldwin, Peter Mayle. More recently, a very big TV series, which I haven't seen yet, Emily in Paris. Today's guest is Sarala Terpstra, and she began veganizing French cuisine even before she moved to a beautiful village in France with her husband and young daughter. As many of you know, French cuisine is not just food in France, right? It's part of a fierce pride and the cultural patrimony of the country. And that has sometimes, okay, maybe often presented a challenge for vegan Francophiles like myself. And we've talked about that here on the pod. Well, I learned about Sarala when she was on a previous Veg Your Best guest, Annie Sargent's fantastic podcast, Join Us in France. Sarala is a plant-based cookbook author, Instagram food blogger, influencer, cooking teacher, and Frankophile. The beautiful photos on her Instagram feed are really like being transported to France. Sarala will join us today on the pod to talk about French food and how she gets to the essence of it without meat, fish, dairy, the joys and the complications of eating plant-based in France, the struggle, <laughs> the struggle of wanting to fit in respectfully to a culture where animal products are often glorified. And there's much, much more today. We'll have links to Sarala's Instagram, her books, her online cooking class for making vegan quiche in the show notes. But for now, I hope you'll just enjoy. Sarala Terpstra, welcome to Veg Your Best. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to have you. I'm a Francophile. Everybody who knows me knows I'm a Francophile. I've, I also am an Italophile. I'm also an Anglophile, but I, I'm a Francophile. And, uh, and we're going to talk about this, but French cuisine can be challenging for those of us who, who want to maintain a plant-based and vegan lifestyle. And you have done the kind of um, Emily in Paris dream. You're an American. I actually haven't seen Emily in Paris, so maybe I'm making a mistake. But <laughs> American, you've moved to France. You're living in the south of France, the dream. And uh, you are veganizing French cuisine for the rest of us. Yes, that's right. And it does sound kind of crazy, I guess. <laughs> How long have you been in France, Sarla? Um, a year and a half. Year and a half. So yeah. still kind of new. Did you know much about where you were moving to before you got got to uh, to the south? I really didn't. I'd visited uh, in the past. I'd visited. I just knew that the south seemed very romantic. And I 
um, Provence was a little out of my price range and a lot more competitive. So I chose um, the other south of France, which is Occitanie. Uh, and it's a very lovely area. Um, I'm 10 minutes from the Mediterranean Sea. So I'm really enjoying it so far. And you have a you have a young child, yes, of a four year old, yeah, of my daughter, yeah. And is she fluent in French already? Yes, yeah, <laughs> she's getting there. Yeah, they pick up a little faster than we do. So let me ask you. So you you have the dream job of veganizing French cuisine, and in the south of France, ten minutes from the Mediterranean. Tell tell my listeners a little bit about um, how you move towards a vegan lifestyle. Of course. Well, my mom is from India and um, Indians, as many people probably know, eat a primarily vegetarian diet because of the religion, Hinduism. Uh, so my mom, uh, I, I was raised on a mostly vegetarian diet, even though we weren't strict vegetarians growing up. It was just very normal for me in our house with Indian cuisine for vegetables to be the star of the show. And it was not weird to not have animal products um, during a dinner. So I think I already had a love for vegetable forward food, but uh, actually I was living in China um, teaching English and my husband got really bad food poisoning uh, over Thanksgiving weekend. And he was like, I can't look at animal products right now. Can we please just be vegan for a month? I'm, I'm so disgusted. I just, cause he had such bad food poisoning that I was like, sure, yeah, let's do it. Um, and then while we, we went vegan for a month, I realized how fun vegan food was, how much, um, how many new techniques of cooking there were, how many ingredients I wasn't using that were available and that I felt really good and uh, that I was eating so many vegetables and um, realizing it also made me realize how much animal product I really was eating when I took it out because I used to always be one of those people who was like, I really don't eat a lot of meat. I don't eat. But when I actually tried to cut it fully out, that's when I realized I was eating a lot more. So the whole thing was very eye-opening. And through that, I watched the documentary, What the Health. Um, I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, and it was re just really opened my eyes to the environmental impacts, the, you know, the, the cruelty of it all the factors that go into and why there's so many good reasons to go vegan. So that's when um, my husband and I were like, let's, we actually, at that moment, we're like, let's stick with uh, a vegan diet. So after that documentary, so we stuck, decided to stick with it. Those documentaries have been so influential for a lot of people. There's about six or seven that most, most people I know uh, point to as being kind of the, the last straw, the thing that really makes them take it very, very seriously. Definitely. So when you moved to, to France, um, had you already been worrying about how you were going to make French cuisine work for yourself as a as a vegetarian and vegan moving to France? Were you like going, oh, how's this going to work? Because I know, I mean, I've been, I've been a visitor in France many times and it's so much easier now, but still, yeah. but still. <laughs> uh, I, before we moved, I was like, I'll just keep an open mind, but I kept reading that it's so hard, it's impossible, it's this and that. And I was like, I'll, I'll be okay. You know, I, I can figure it out. I've lived a lot of places. I've moved around. I, I'll figure it out. And we were, um, when we, the first year we were here, we, we did stick with a strictly vegan diet, but it actually kind of started with my daughter starting school, which was just this past fall. Um, the, she eats at the canteen and they have a vegetarian day once a week. But other than that, um, there's, it's, meat and dairy at every meal 
So um, we didn't have the option to to keep her home for lunch all the time because we both work. So we just had to make the decision that we we had to work. And we we talked with them and they just were like, no. <laughs> we said, oh, you know, do you have more? They're like, nope. And they looked at us like we were aliens. So it's, um, and we live in a very small town in the south of France. So that's where we kind of were like, okay, we need to maybe for now uh, adapt to our situation. Um, and then also just socially, I found that saying that you're vegan is people don't really get it, at least where I live. They're like, okay, so you don't eat, you don't eat beef, but yeah. you eat chicken and you eat fish. And I'm like, no. And then, the more we get into it, I can, it feels like it kind of limits the ability to socialize or mm -hmm. to meet people. And as new immigrants, we are really trying to integrate, to, to plug in. So for now, um, we have decided that at home we'll be vegan. And when we go out um, to our, the best of our ability, we'll support the vegan restaurants and businesses. But when we don't have an option, we, we are flexible now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a, a common problem people have is social feeling, feeling as if they're going to um, cut off relationships with people if they if they stick to a strict vegan diet. So you call yourself plant based, but your work is 100 percent vegan right now. Yes, uh, my yes. So I call myself plant based now after moving to France. I, I don't call myself vegan, but I my passion and my work is for supporting uh, vegan food. And uh, I like to, wherever I can find a vegan restaurant, I always love to try it. Um, I like supporting other vegan French cooks in France. And for my recipes, I never use animal products. So let's talk about some of them because I have both of the books. Uh, do you have more than two currently or two? Uh, no, just two. Yeah. The two, not just two. Two is an achievement. <laughs> Don't say just. But uh, so plant, the plant soiree and vegan French favorites. Now, which one came first, uh, Sarla? Um, vegan French favorites came first. Yes. Okay. And so if we scroll through it, it's it's all the kind of classic sorts of recipes that if you were at a French restaurant, you, you would see. That's what I was going for. So I'm happy to hear you say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, and, and the, the recipes I have not cooked from it yet, because honestly, um, I, I don't cook that much. I cook lunches and I'm an assembler. I'm not a recipe person in general, but you even have, you have cassoulet, you have crepes, you have the buckwheat galette. Um, yes. Take a look through. Tell me about one of them that was particularly easy, that really embraced that Fr France has many uh, plant-based vegan ingredients that you can easily use. And tell me also about one that was more daunting for you. Oh, well, I would say probably the most famous French recipe that is actually just vegan is ratatouille. Uh, like people probably recognize it from the movie. Um, actually, in the movie, uh, the movie got it wrong. That's a tian, a vegetable tian. And the ratatouille is a, actually a very rough looking stew. Uh, but ratatouille is traditionally vegan, um, made with olive oil and vegetables. So no, no animal products in ratatouille. So that one was, I actually didn't have to tweak anything for that recipe. But as far as challenging, the souffle was really hard and took like, I can't count how many tries and maybe tears too, because uh, souffle is like a towering thing of egg. And to achieve this kind of, it's made with egg whites, with whipped egg whites. And when they bring it to you in the restaurant, it's like standing up tall and then it deflates, which is like the novelty of it. So trying to get something that would kind of tower and be fluffy and eggy, 
uh, with vegan ingredients, that took a long time and that tasted good too, was hard. So in the end, I actually found out that tofu was my best option, tofu with baking powder. And did you, do, which kind of tofu do you use? Do you, you don't use the firm tofu for that probably, or do you? I think I actually did use firm tofu in that. Um, I should have my cookbook with well, me. I, I can, don't, I'm I sorry. I can look at it right here. Hold on. Is it in the, is it, is it in? Um, it's uh, under the mains. Favorites? Under the mains. Yeah. Okay. Under the mains. I think it was firm tofu actually. Spinach souffle, 60, page 60, kids. You're hearing, you're hearing it here. And yeah, firm tofu chopped. Okay, oh, no. there we go. Rice flour, <laughs> nutritional, yeah. kala namak, which I think is so useful. Did you yes. use kala namak before as a as as an Indian American? Did you use um, kala namak as a child growing up? Uh, I always thought it was disgusting growing up because of smell. <laughs> and I was like, mom, I don't want that in the house. Oh, like, you know, and she's like, no, you don't understand. It adds such a good flavor. And she's right. But the, I, I thought it was gross. And now I'm like, wow, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I didn't I don't think I discovered it till my 50s. And I was thinking it is so good. Now, obviously, you don't use very much, but my husband uses it when he makes an avocado, like a breakfast sandwich of any kind with some avocado or some uh uh, well, some grilled tofu or something. Um, loves it. Me too. I that's my favorite breakfast sandwich is just a fried avocado or fried tofu, avocado, and kala namak and hot sauce too. That's my <laughs> level of cooking. I am capable of more, but I've 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 decided. I don't know. My husband likes to just go out every night. So now that we don't have kids at home, we have grandkids. So when we're here, when they're all here, we um we cook more. But typically day to day, my husband likes to go out every night, I think at this point in his life. So at home, lunch is is our cooking time. And it's mostly assemblage. As as I if to Frank to Frenchify it, it's yeah. assemblage. <laughs> so that's interesting, because French food, maybe not of the south where you live, but the kind of classic gastronomy of French, you kind of talked about how the souffle, the novelty of it being served towering and then deflating. There's a lot of theater in kind of the classic French right. gastronomy. Right, exactly. And uh, I always say um, that, not that French food doesn't taste good, it does, but it's one of those cuisines where the flavor I don't think is the most important part. It's the presentation, it's the it's the romance and the the, you know, the experience of it that seems to be the focus. So that's been really fun to do that with vegan food. Now, what I do in my coaching, so I have the podcast where I present a lot of different people's journeys towards plant-based or vegan practices, um, how people live, how they came to it. In my coaching, I work a lot with people who are finding it tricky to move in this direction. And among the many, many topics people say is a deal breaker is what you've said, some social feeling, some social isolation from not being welcome or feeling comfortable with other people. Another one is that sophistication. You've been in that kind of world where you travel and you want to experience things. And French cuisine is synonymous with a cultural sophistication. And it can feel a little bit, um, that you're opting out of it or that you don't appreciate that. And I think it's, I think it's going to be a process for us to learn. I think it's going to be a process for the French to learn that their cuisine can be more, um, more compassionate. You know, yeah. it's, it's, cre it's created from a different time and space. They made a virtue out of using all the ingredients, all the parts of the animals, 
what what yeah. have been some what have been some ingredients that you found in France that you didn't really have too much experience with when you were were home in the states? Oh, leeks are comes to mind right away. Uh, we have leeks in the U.S., but they don't they're not popular. Would you agree with that? I think so. I think that's true. I think they're they're kind of passed over in the uh, yeah they're they're always like kind of by the fancy vegetables at the supermarket. Uh, but here they're like the equivalent of an onion. They're not fancy at all and they use them in everything uh so i've learned that leeks can really give a sweet um flavor they can be used raw or cooked usually cooked but they can be good raw too and they really lend a, a sweetness to recipes almost like an onion but sweeter so leeks are something i've i really enjoy um i'm trying to think what else oh walnut oil that's another one that's oh, kind of i don't think i've teased. used it yeah and i've seen it in the u.s in like either like nicer super like nicer markets or um, European specialty markets and things like that. And it's usually quite expensive. The irony is, is on the back of the walnut oil in France, on the back of the bottle, it always says the walnuts are from the U.S. So oh. that's just how it goes, I guess. That surprises me, actually. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we we grow many of them, but I would think the the French or somewhere in the European Union, they grow them. Yeah, maybe they did traditionally, or maybe there's been issues re in recent years. I don't know if it's always been that way, but a lot of the walnut oils I see lately, and they're not expensive here, um, say walnuts from the U.S. So, And are they cold pressed the way? Um... I, I think so. And uh, I love it because they use it in baking and salads, um, and it just gives this like rich, nutty, almost kind of popcorn-like mm. flavor to food. So I've, I've embraced that a lot too. I'm going to put that on my list of things to experiment with, because it sounds like it's something that even if you're not really cooking large, long recipes, you could play with a little bit of, oh, yeah. or it's in a like salad. If you just throw it in a salad. Yeah. With, I like balsamic vinegar. Now with your process, you've written two books, your process, how did that develop for you? Had you that done that sort of kind of organized, um, because I think it's one of those, okay. I'm going to dial that back. I think writing a cookbook is something a lot of people think they can do. And mm -hmm. it's not that easy. It looks, yeah. it looks much easier than it is. So tell me about how you, how you approached it. Well, um, I'm still figuring out my process and <laughs> I feel like writing the past two books, I've learned so much. So I guess one of the things is to learn something, you just kind of have to do it and you'll make your mistakes. And then, so I would, I will say my first two books um, are not perfect. Uh, they're very small for one. Um, the first one I wrote as thinking, okay, cause I had my Instagram followers saying, you know, I wish you had a blog, but I didn't want to start a blog, but I needed somewhere to put my recipes. So I was like, I'll write a, um, a book and like self-publish it. But then uh, after I put it out, uh, I was making sales on Amazon that weren't to my followers, um, organic. And I was getting interest from people outside. So then I realized there's a lot of potential. Uh, so I guess the way I approached it, though, was I did do a, a lot of research about self-publishing. Um, and I went through Amazon Kindle publishing, which is great if you're just starting because it's very uh, laid out. It's clearly laid out. The, the other platform that's great is Ingram Spark, but I didn't approach Ingram Spark until later because they're a little more intimidating mm -hmm. to use. So I guess um, I just... I just used Amazon. Um, and what I did was I took a month off of Instagram to 
uh, put to, to photograph all the recipes because, you know, when you're on Instagram, sometimes that can suck up a lot of time. So I just told my followers, I'm piecing out for a month and I'll see you in a month after I'm done, like photographing my cookbook. <laughs> so um, every day I would just make a recipe and take pictures. But I'd also been kind of collecting the recipes for a year. So it was a work in process. So you said just a few times, and I just want to make sure that you, nobody thinks it's just, you didn't just uh, take photographs. I mean, you, the photographs oh, yeah. are beautiful. Your work is yeah. really, really, uh, I mean, Kindle, I think is great how it has maybe democratized publishing for people. And we can, um, we can find somebody who's doing what we're excited about because they're able to quickly get it to, to, to market. Um, I think, uh, I think so many people have this um, this goal to create something like this. And you said something really valuable. You said, well, I just started and you <laughs> learn on the way, right? Yes. Y yes. And uh, actually, I now for my next cookbook, I've learned so much just by putting two cookbooks out there that I would not have learned. Just I could have read till I was blue in the face, but until I actually did it, it didn't click. So now having gone through the process, I see exactly, okay, this is what it means to write and self-publish a book. These are the steps I have to take. And so for my next book, my plan is that it will be much better than my first two because it will have, it will build on the experience and also uh, just having spent more time in France, things like that. So I'm hoping my next book will, will be larger and even more useful and helpful. So this is, I mean, I just don't think there's anything more important than what, what you're saying there is just, you have to start. You yeah. cannot wait until you've got it all figured out and you cannot be afraid that you might go, oh, I wish I had done a little differently. Or now I know what I could have done differently. That is just, that is, that is the goal is to make enough mistakes that you get better at something, right? True. And I would apply that to just even moving to France to vegan French cooking. I just started, I didn't ask for permission from the French culture society if there is if, i don't know if that exists i, I think there out. is the ministère de, de, de yeah. la culture française yeah i think there Am is I allowed to do this no i just was like i guess we'll just start you know wait till they find yeah. out yeah <laughs> i'll be banned from france well i know you talked to i think i first found you because you talked to my friend annie Sargent, who has a marvelous podcast uh join us in france and she i don't Maybe she's got 500, 600 episodes. I don't even know how many she's got now. Um, and she's wonderful. And she's a cook. And I tested her uh, Tion de Legumes when she was putting on uh, uh, putting out her, her cookbook, which is decidedly not vegan, but she's very vegan friendly. Um, so I learned about you through through her. And I heard her saying, oh, that's not how you do it in France. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was intimidating to go on her show because. Uh, she is authentic. Uh, she's authentically French herself. And her show is is very much about like true French culture. Um, and it's not a vegan focused show. But like you said, she's um, she is vegan, open minded to vegan cooking herself. And she in her cookbook also has vegan options. Uh, so she's another for your listeners. She's her cookbook is a great resource, too. Yeah, I think if, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she's also she's married to an American, I believe. And she spends a, quite a bit of time in America. And I think she gets Americans in a way that some French people don't don't or don't want to get us. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. So for her, it's not like vegan, like, ugh. you know, mm -hmm. it's it's more like, OK, yeah, that's that you have. You can be a different 
thing than the mainstream and that's okay. <laughs> it is. So now I know you're also working on um, uh, classes online. Are they online or are they going to be recorded video classes for cooking? They're going to be recorded uh, just because I've tried live in the past, but with my time zone being in Europe and a lot of people who are interested being in North America or Australia, it doesn't work so well. So they're going to be recorded classes. Um, and right now I'm working on my spring edition uh, of the classes. What is it? What is a spring dish that um, we should all know about? Uh, I would say what I've been seeing popping up, having been here two springs now, um, I see a lot of quiche um, and tarts, like uh, sweet tarts. So lemon and strawberry tarts are mm. part of my class because those are the ones that I see popping up early winter and spring, or sorry, late winter and spring. Um, and then for the quiche as well, it feels very spring. Um, it's something people would take on a picnic too. Um, and then I'm also doing crepes, uh, both savory and sweet because they are, you know, this is a time that I see the creperie restaurant starting to open back up um, and they feel like a nice transitional food from winter to summer. Now you have probably, um, I think most Americans have mushrooms year round, but if in Europe you really see the different seasons of yes. mushrooms, the chanterelle in the spring, or I don't know, what what, what are, are morels in the spring as well? Actually, I think I've seen mushrooms. I want to say I saw them in the fall, but oh. I think the area where I live is has two seasons, like for uh, the vegetables. So I think it's spring and fall. Mm -hmm. uh, something I I learned recently about this area. Yeah, but it's true that the seasons are very noted here with with food in the markets. Now let us all drool over the kind of marketing you're able to do. You probably have plenty of supermarket type of availability, but do you have some marvelous markets that you recommend in within a, a day drive of your, not a day drive, but to, to drive around for your shopping? Um, the best one in this area where I live, and I live in the Long Dock area. Now it's called Occitani, but it, it's a lot of people still refer to it as Long Dock, is uh, Pezenas, which is a, a small Art artist medieval town. Um, it's very lovely and it's full of artist shops, but their Saturday market is one of the best in the area. It goes from like, it goes through the whole town, like it's that big. Hmm. And um, it has like the most beautiful produce year round, just the colors. I didn't know carrots could come in so many different colors or potatoes. I've seen every color of radish. Uh, like I, I will buy basil there. That's like the size of a small tree for a euro. Um, so it's just a great experience for all the senses. Um, and there's nice little cafes that you can like that are overlooking the market. So if you want to stop and have a coffee and just watch the market, uh, it's a it's a good way to do that too. So the name of the town is Pezanas? Pe it's P-E-Z-E-N-A-S. Pezenas. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to have, I'm, I'm writing that down also for my next trip. We were, we were talking about my, uh, I haven't been to your particular area of France before we, before we re hit record. Um, but there's, there's no end to where I want to go before, before my legs give out and I, I can't, uh, walk up medieval stairs to, uh, to <laughs> mountaintop villages. <laughs> I'm sure that you'll be going for a long time on your vegan diet. Well, so. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the plan. That's, that is the plan. Part of it. Uh, so when you when you're marketing, it's you must be developing recipes as you're going through and seeing these beautiful colors and and textures and and foods that maybe we don't normally see in an American supermarket. Yeah, that's true. And I've uh, 
asked, I, I've seen other, uh, the French people do it. So I've, I've do it too. Sometimes like, how do you, how do you recommend cooking this? You ask the farmer or the vendor. And, uh, Quite often the answer is, oh, just some butter, some garlic, some parsley, like if it comes to a vegetable. So I found that with vegetables, quite often the answer is like, just saute it with some some butter or olive oil, uh, some herbs and, um, or they'll or they'll say like, throw it in a pasta, throw it in a, a, in a quiche. So I don't actually find a lot of variety in what they've told me how to cook it. Because I think with, um, with French cooking, it's not about the trying a million different techniques. It's about the the special ingredient itself. Like these, this radish is here for the next two months or this. So it's the ingredient that is the important part. That's always what I've, I've found in Europe is that, um, People aren't really like Americans tend to want a different cuisine each night. They want maybe Asian one night and then they want Italian then they want, you know, American kind of style cuisine in Europe. I found people want basically the same thing every night they want and whatever's in in season. And I think that that ingredient focus is something that um, I, I think Americans more and more are are open to. But it's it is different, isn't it? It's a different it's a different approach. Is and it's taken some getting used to as an American, where like you said, we because the the whole world is on our doorstep in the U.S. Like we're such a diverse country, and we have we are so mixed, and we the melting pot, you know. So we we are used to just trying all the flavors, and more flavor the better, more sauce the better, and that's the American style of cooking is more, 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 uh, and mix all the flavors you can. And in France, it's like the ingredient list of a recipe is like. Sometimes I'm like, that's it? Three ingredients? Four ingredients? Well, that's really short. But uh, it's just the way they, they are, the, the cooking here, the focus, like you said, is on eating seasonally. And um, I think being in tune with that too. And one thing I've noticed too with like sauces, they really like, we like these ranch style salad dressing with thick, you know, all these exciting flavors. And here it's it's really just vinaigrette for the most part, maybe a few herbs thrown in. So because that way you can taste the flavors of the salad or the the cucumber. Yeah, I think it's, as you say, ingredient and also technique, the approach to the ingredient. Do, do you know the American, um, she, she lived in France forever, and I think she's still alive, Patricia Wells. Um, she's she, she wrote, she's written a lot of great, great books about French cuisine. Um, I think she worked for the International Herald Tribune. I, I should have done my research before I mentioned her name, but Patricia Wells, she's done a lot of very plant forward type of work before it be, she's certainly not vegan as far as I know. Um, but she she also her 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 recipes are just very um ingredient forward. But how do you cut it? How do you, you know, it's very like this kind of vegetable. Uh, is best if you chiffonade or this kind of vegetable is best if you have nice big whole whole pieces so ah, and i think yeah. and that comes from talking to the vendors and talking to the farmers yeah i think i think you're right uh and she's right absolutely about like um technique and for me being raised on indian food where watching my mother she's a very good cook and indian food is delicious but it's just kind of rough chopped and it's not about the presentation it's about the flavor it's like the mm. opposite of french food where presentation really is not the focus it's been uh, a learning experience for me and i still have to force myself time sometimes to just slow down when i'm making a french dish and focus on the presentation 
Yeah. I'm not a presentation person either. I'm like, <laughs> I just want us all to eat. <laughs> yeah. Me too, to be honest. <laughs> but that's, but that is, that is great. The, so what now, what are you, what are you looking to uh, master in the next couple of years? You've mastered the first two books. You're going to, you're going to put, put out the videos, the cooking series for spring. Um, and you've got another book in you that you're, you're thinking about. So what, what are, what are some of your goals coming up? I think we already talked about one, which is presentation and technique, Mm. because um, I actually wrote the first cookbook before I even moved to France. I was just um, reading a lot of cookbooks, reading everything I get my hands on, teaching myself. I've had, you know, experience traveling and studying in France. But now that I live in France, I I do feel like I can I can see so much more of the visions of plant based cooking and the cultural context that goes with it. So. I think my goal for the next few years is to keep adding that cultural context uh, and to be a learner because I'm not French. So to be uh, open to learning the culture from French people and to um, to sh- like learn from other vegan French cooks in France. I would love to meet people who run the restaurants here. I live in a small town, but I may be l- moving to a bigger city this summer. So I think I would like to get to know some of the the movers and shakers um, in the vegan world in France. And my long, long-term dream is to perhaps run a cooking school or a an experience for people who want to come to France but have dietary restrictions, including not just vegan, but gluten-free, um, soy-free, things like that. Just France in general doesn't cater to that, not yet, to any type of dietary restriction. So, uh, my goal is to offer kind of an experience for them, like tourist, a tourist experience where you can experience all the beauty of France, but you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think that, I think there are some people who are, who are put off or nervous about traveling because they think they don't want to have a conversation in another language with someone every single meal. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) To to be debriefed. I know it is, it is, it is, it slows you down. I, I, at this point in my life, I'm just like, okay, no, that's, that's the conversation we're having and it'll, it'll tax my French skills. Um, And sometimes people are, are dismissive in general. The thing I find is that they're not dismissive, but, um, it, it, I mean, Paris is different, obviously, but in, in more provincial areas, um, they'll, they'll just go, okay, well, this is the same as gluten-free. And, um, they, I mean, they just like go, it's all, it's all in one. Oh, you're just, yeah. You're all, you're just difficult. <laughs> <laughs> have you, uh, when you eat in at a restaurant and they don't have a vegan option or have you encountered that where you've eaten at a restaurant and you just ask them to, I just ask them to make me do what vegetables do you have? What do you have rice? Do you have, you know, is the bread have egg or whatever? And sometimes you have to leave, but very often, if you just stay first, very often, the first question, they'll say, no, we don't. Yeah. And then you go, really? But you I could make me the salad with no egg. Can you make me the, you know, the spinach or the artichokes with no cheese? And they're like, oh, of course. And you're like, okay, okay. That's what I'll <laughs> that will work. Yeah. But you have yes. to have a little bit, um, and not every American or traveling in, in Europe feels like having those conversations. So, and uh, that is, I think that you're right that that does work. And I've done that. But what I feel is a little sad when I do that because I feel like I'm not getting the full experience. And, like, you know, for example, you go to a pizza place, you can always just ask them for a vegetarian pizza without cheese. But it's not very 
it's just like even on their part it's kind of half-hearted it's like they don't put passion into it and I guess that's where I would like to maybe offer an experience in the future is like where you don't have to feel like you're missing out on anything you know or right. you have to like be sidelined um you can you can get that whole experience just it's it's suitable for for your diet I agree with you 100% yeah. Sarla that is the kind of the line we're walking in areas where it's new where it's still kind of new for people and I but I also think it's a mindset I think we can also say well no I I I'm not I'm not going to feel sad about it. I'm going to feel delighted that I am helping this restaurateur or this chef or this wait person to go, no, there's a lovely person here who would like to experience the ingredients, just not the animal products, but is delighted to be in France, is delighted to be um, learning from you. But because I, I agree, it was a it was a learning curve for me. I felt, you know, this is their this is their patrimony. This is their their heritage, these artisanal foods. And I did feel um, I did feel awkward about it. But at some point, I'm just like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to feel awkward about it. <laughs> right. That it may be good for them, too, because the world is changing. Uh, France is changing. Um, we are very globalized uh, through social media. I think the younger generation uh, is becoming almost one culture. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it would be good for them to to have more options and to have experience with someone coming in and going, actually, I don't, do you have another option for me? So that's yeah. good. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, you know, you pick your battles, right? In this life and in, and in what you, um, and your advocacy evolves. Listen, I'm, I'm I'm 64. I just uh, what I was comfortable doing at 24 or 34 or 54 is different. So you 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 use your time. That's what Veg Your Best is about. Is we try to make the best choices we can always, um, and and there's an ideal maybe that we we want, but we don't have to um, punish ourselves around it. Uh, yes. So tell tell me tell me. So next the next book. What's what will the topic be? Do you know? Is that decided yet? I, I would really like to, I have lots of little book ideas in my head. For example, my daughter, she's four. She really wants to do a little cookbook with me. And I think it'd be cool to write a book where it like, because my daughter does love vegan food and she eats, you know, mostly vegan, especially at home. But uh, she, I've asked, I've had parents ask me, how do you get your daughter to eat vegetables? My kid doesn't like vegetables. So uh, an idea was to have all the recipes my daughter loves uh, put them into a book. So like, these are all great ways that ch child approved <laughs> that your kid will eat vegetables. So that's one I have um, in mind, but that won't be like my next big book for my next big, big book project. I would really like it to be almost like mastering the art of vegan French cooking, like the vegan version of that, you know, just a all around large resource, um, based on, you know, a lot of research and experience, which is why I want to take my time with it. And uh, get to know the culture in France and try more food, uh, learn more, work with French people. Um, so that's my goal. Very ambitious, but that very necessary. Yeah, too. very ambitious. <laughs> yeah. And as for, I have four grandkids. Uh, one of them is still breastfeeding. So he's, he's, I guess, vegan, but, um, <laughs> but, but the other ones are not vegan, but they are very, very vegetable forward. They all eat lots of vegetables. And I think, you know, kids, kids are all different. Obviously, yeah. they all have different textural issues and and concerns. But if you just keep giving them vegetables and fruits and right. grains first, 
before yes. you know before the the other kinds of foods they do they do develop a taste of course i have one grandson who apparently he loves everything for 2 weeks and then then he doesn't want to look at it again so they're all different so no shaming any any mom or grandmother who can't get their their toddler to eat um vegetables right now my daughter too like one one week she loves mushrooms the next week she hates them and uh, i try to keep it fun because it's with her it's everything has to be fun so i'm like you know mm. Vegetables are the colors of the rainbow. Meat isn't color of the rainbow. Like, <laughs> I'm like, it's, vegetables are cool, yeah. you know? <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, that's right. The colors of the rainbow. And she'll count all the colors on her plate. So that's a, a fun. That's marvelous. Putting some yeah. fun in it. Yeah. Yeah. So what else? So, so when are we going to look for your video about spring cooking? What, what, when is that hope, hoping to come out? In April, would you say? Yeah, uh, maybe in April, maybe even in the end of March. I'm, I've already kind of I'm just filming it this week and editing it so it could be out in the next couple of weeks that's what I'm hoping for um, just nice. in time for the spring equinox so yes hopefully soon that's marvelous I, and people can find you and keep keep up with you at sarlaterpstra.com and on sarla it's s-a-r-a-l-a T-E-R-P-S-T-A. We'll have all the links in the show notes, but that's also your Instagram. And is that where you're most, um, most visible that's, is Instagram? Yes. I'm the most active on Instagram. I, um, you can get in touch with me through my website, but Instagram I'm on there every day. So, uh, and I do share, you know, French culture and French life and other things besides cooking on there. If you're interested in um, just French culture in general. Yeah. And they're beautiful photos and you're a very photogenic young woman. And uh, you're, 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 I, I think it's a, it's a feast for the eyes. If people go on your Instagram, they're really going to enjoy that. And you where can we find, uh, I, where, you can find uh, vegan French favorites on, on Amazon easily, right? And Barnes and Noble. Both uh, Vegan French Favorites is on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and it's on a lot of other sites in the ebook version. The print is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And then the second one, Plant Soiree, is just on Amazon. Amazon. It's really, really worth looking for. All, all the uh, Francophiles who feel like they can't have uh, vegan food, they must take a look at one, at least one of them. Start with one. Which one would you start with? Like, I think I was looking at them. I was trying to decide which one I'm going to. Plant Soiree, I mean, this... I, I really liked it. I It made me feel like that's where I would invite people to join with me in eating. Yeah, it's actually, it's great to hear that from you because I don't always know what people are, what people want. And, you know, it depends because Plants for Right, like you said, it's uh, it's meant to be a social thing. The, the focus of Plants for Right is about presentation and about um, hosting, really, like throwing a party because I've had people say, I don't know how to make vegan food for my friends. Um, like I struggle with throwing a vegan dinner party. Mm. Uh, and then the other one, though, is like if you want just classic French food made vegan, then I would definitely go with the vegan French favorites. Mm -hmm. Now, when you go to so you are you're in your small town in France with people who are going what vegan when you bring if now French people don't usually have many potlucks in my in my uh, experience. But would yeah. you bring a, a, a potluck? Would you bring a dish to share with people? Yes. And actually, uh, that is kind of how I do it. Like, I find that that's, it's easier to do that than to just say I'm vegan. Like, mm. it's easier just to not say anything, but just bring a vegan dish. And then they mm. go, oh, it's so good. And it's always so flattering when a French person says that. And then I can go, oh, uh, I usually preface it with like, it doesn't, I don't say it's vegan. I say it doesn't have this, 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 and this in it. 
and then that kind of warms it up and then I'm like yeah it's vegan and then it kind of it's it's uh I try to be <laughs> I try to play it cool <laughs> just like you know that way it's not it doesn't feel like an affront or yeah. um yeah it just yeah. it feels like we can ease into and have some fun in the conversation a stealth yeah. vegan you're you're coming at coming in sideways <laughs> what, and what what's a, what's a what is a common dish that you bring that that is a kind of an opener for you Oh, one of them, it's not, it's not healthy. And I usually try to focus on whole food, plant-based healthy food. But one thing I love to bring just because it's so easy and it's so French people recognize it immediately is uh, this, it's in my plant soiree book, but it's the, uh, the pesto sun tart. Oh, Um, it's beautiful looking. Yeah. It's really pretty and it's very easy to make. um, And it's just always a good conversation starter because it's fun looking, but uh, it's two sheets of puff pastry. So it's not healthy healthy but it's um an easy one to make vegan and I can just go yeah actually I didn't put cheese I didn't put meat in it you know or it's vegan cheese and people are like oh wow it's really good so that that's what that's how we're with hearts and minds right we're trying to uh we're trying to get them <laughs> <laughs> Sarla, thank you so much for joining us today I'm going to point everybody to to your um uh, to your your Instagram, Sarla Terpstra, and your sarlaterpstra.com website. And we'll put we'll put links to the books in the show notes and on our Instagram. And I'm really I wish you luck and I hope you'll come back when you've got your next your next thing that's out in the public. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's been really um interesting and fun talking with you. So so what did you think of Sarla? I think sometimes it takes a little bravery to come on Veg Your Best and be transparent about where you maybe aren't vegan quite yet. Yet. (laughs) And this is a good illustration, actually an excellent illustration of how a vegan journey ultimately needs to fit into your real life or it's just not sustainable. And as previous guest Colleen Patrick Goudreau always says, don't do nothing because you can't do everything. Sarala has shared the thoughts that were still in the way of her veganism at the time of our conversation about being guests in France, trying to assimilate her daughter into a French school, and being respectful of her host country. And in the meantime, she just keeps veganizing French cuisine and being a passionate amateur in that very French sense of the word, a lover of France and French style. Sarala's Instagram feed is a dream. I hope you're going to follow her and look at the recipes. And of course, her two books, Vegan French Favorites was her first, I think, and then The Plant Soiree about the art of entertaining. And now you can take a cooking class online with Sarala Terpstra, and that link will be in the show notes. Now, update. Since we recorded this, Sarla and her family have moved to the city of Bordeaux, where being vegan and plant-based is quite a bit less daunting. So Sarla has told me she'll be back later in the year to give us an update. And in the meantime, honestly, I really recommend you follow Sarla Terpstra on Instagram. Those photos of eating seasonally and simply, honestly, a feast for the eyes. So wherever you are, my veg your bestie, if you find yourself in a place, a country, a situation with people where you just don't see how you can make exclusively plant-based or vegan choices, 
I hope that you don't use that as a reason to abandon the whole thing. Please keep making all the choices that you can. And if there's an area of choosing vegan or plant-based that you're finding especially daunting, let's jump on a call. That's what I do. Free call or an email. Maybe we can come up with a strategy together. Most of the vegan choices I make now, honestly, once upon a time, they were cumbersome and awkward and fueled by doubt. It's easier now. Sometimes it's effortless. We don't have to fix it all at once to make a really big difference. Okay, remember, Sarala Terpstra, her links are in the show notes. And until next week, veg your best. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.